0: Hello, listeners. Buckle up for a new episode of Voiceover Work and Audiobook Sampler. Where do you listen? Today is January 17th, 2023. This is the chapter-by-chapter chapter preview of Nick Trenton's book, Therapize and Heal Yourself, which, by the author's description, is a powerful book full of clinical techniques, examples, and and action plans to finally put a magnifying glass onto your own psyche. You've heard the cliche before that your mental state begins and ends with your upbringing. Come, find out just how true that is and the source of many of your emotional triggers. Change is difficult, but growth is always possible. And in this book, Nick Trenton gives you some insight into accomplishing that. Chapter 1 Understanding Thoughts, Beliefs, and Behaviors Have you ever found yourself behaving in a certain way, but not really knowing why? Do you have a tendency to lash out emotionally or say and do things that you later regret? Have you ever asked yourself how you feel or what you want, only to hear the answer, I don't know? If so, then this book is for you. In the chapters that follow, we'll explore the root causes of all those behaviors in life that sabotage our happiness and undermine our well-being. Whether it's poor communication in relationships, addictions, unmanaged anxiety and depression, or simply a constant feeling that you're not living to your fullest potential, there's usually one predictable root cause behind it all, lack of awareness. Traditionally, A psychologist or psychotherapist could help you more deeply understand who you are, what you want, and how you tick. But if that's not a possibility for you, rest assured that you can master the very same techniques for yourself and become your own therapist. Throughout this book, we'll look at the lives of fictional people who are all experiencing very different life challenges, yet in their own way, each of them has just one problem a lack of awareness of their emotions, core beliefs, blind spots, and expectations. As you read, you'll be invited to look more closely at your own emotions, thoughts, and beliefs, and how they are motivating certain behaviors and habits. Being your own therapist doesn't take any magical skill or superhuman ability. All it takes is the willingness to be honest, to ask questions, and to courageously take action According to the insights that you glean. Let's jump in. Part 1 Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Meet Clara. Going about her life one day, she encounters two particular situations. Situation 1 is that she receives an email from a work colleague asking her a question about a presentation she gave two weeks earlier. She reads the email understands the question, and answers it factually. Situation two is that Clara gets home from work and sees that her husband hasn't arrived home yet. She immediately thinks he's been in a car crash and he's dead. Terrified, she immediately takes action by blowing up his phone with panicky messages, then furiously Googles how to plan a funeral. Later, she feels a little ashamed of how over-the-top her actions were. What's the difference between these situations? In both, Clara's having a cognitive response to some stimulus in the environment. Yet, in Situation 2, it's clear that her thoughts about the situation are not helpful or accurate. In fact, it's not the situation itself that compels Clara to feel and act as she does, but rather her thoughts about the situation. This is the key insight behind Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, that not all of our thoughts are for our benefit. Thoughts, feelings, and actions are all connected. The way we think about things affects how we feel, and how we feel affects how we act. How we act, in turn, changes our world in ways that confirm or reinforce how we think or feel. The American Psychological Association, APA, explains that there are three core concepts. Chapter 2, Understanding What You're Made Of. Part 1, Self-Questioning. What would it look like if you could be your own therapist? This is not a hypothetical question. Literally, imagine it now. How would you talk to yourself if you were responsible for providing your own mental health care? Maybe you think that a really good counselor or psychologist is extra caring and compassionate, non-judgmental, non-directive, wise, and mature. Well, the good news is that if you want to, you can provide all these things for yourself without a stitch of formal training. There's something else, however, that therapists are really good at. And it's how we began this chapter, Asking Questions. A therapist doesn't tell you what you're feeling, what's wrong with you, or how to solve your problems. Instead, they're curious. They ask what you're feeling, ask you to look at how you're functioning, and point you toward your own inner resources so you can start to solve your problems yourself. Why do they do this? because they know that your life gets better when you are more aware. Telling somebody something doesn't increase their awareness. Asking them a question does. If you want to become your own therapist, you need to get good at asking yourself the right kind of question. The right kind means those questions that create more awareness and shed light on new solutions, unconscious material, possibilities, and alternatives. Self-questioning is a way to peek outside of the current boundaries and limitations of the problem we're experiencing. It's a way to find insight. What's important here is that when you ask this kind of question, you're not doing so in order to find the correct answer. You're doing so because the process of thinking about the answer is what provides insight. And gets you to step outside the box of your current predicament. Ask yourself the right questions, and you can educate yourself about your problem, clarify what you want to achieve, assess your thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and behaviors, gain insight into recurring patterns, see solutions and new alternatives, find forgiveness, understanding, and compassion for your present position. We can ask questions about our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. We can ask them about the past, the future, or the present. We can ask fantastical hypothetical questions or real concrete ones. We can ask whatever we like. There are no limits. In a therapy session, a counselor will use questions like a flashlight, shining a beam of awareness onto areas of your life that you may not have looked too closely at before. Here are a few common ones. What am I feeling now? In general, what do I think and feel in this situation? One are the times when I feel better, stronger, clearer, or more capable? What is one thing, no matter how small, that I can change right now? What am I avoiding right now? If my friend was going through the same struggle as I am, how would I make sense of their situation? What would I say to them? Are my thoughts distorted in any way? Do I have any evidence for my assumption? Chapter 3. Where it all came from In Chapter 1, we asked about the thoughts, behaviors, and core beliefs that work to shape and program our everyday responses to life. And in Chapter 2, we took a deeper look at how to self-question, how to explore our unconscious shadow, how to talk to and engage hidden parts of ourselves, and even how to gain new insight into our blind spots. In this chapter, we'll explore yet another angle on which to approach the task of self-therapy, our childhoods, and how they impact our lives in the present. This cause-and-effect line of reasoning is an old principle that comes from the earliest psychodynamic therapists, but it remains a fundamental assumption. If we want to know who we are now and why we are that way, we need to look at what came before. Part 1. What is your attachment style? Recall that Clara had the following core belief. The world is not safe and I am not safe. People can't be trusted. Clara can do a great deal to challenge this core belief, to reframe it, to look for evidence, and to gradually rework it into something that helps her life instead of sabotages it. One way to get rid of this belief is to understand how it got there in the first place. We inquire into the past not so we can blame our parents, shrug our shoulders, and say that nothing can be done, but rather so that we can understand and do better. Just like the Gestalt therapists emphasized, we grapple with the past as a way to live more freely and authentically in the present. When Clara was a year old, her parents divorced. Her mother was so sick with stress and worry that she was unable to respond to Clara's emotional needs and often got irritated with the child. Though both her parents loved her, the home environment was chaotic and unstable. Clara remembers that in her teen years, she would often anxiously try to think of ways to cheer her mother up, to be good, to win affection. John Bowlby was a psychotherapist who was the first to propose a theory of childhood attachment, and he would have classified Clara as having an anxious attachment style. Bowlby would say that, as an adult, Clara's tendency to catastrophize, to worry, and to feel terrified of being abandoned comes from her early childhood experiences of insecurely attaching to her primary caregiver, in this case her mother. According to Bowlby, attachment is a lasting, innate psychological connection between children and their caregivers. In his research, he notices that when scared, children ordinarily seek consolation from their primary caregivers. Mary Ainsworth later expanded his work with her Strange Situation investigation, which observed 12- to 18-month-olds while they were momentarily left alone and then reunited with their mothers. The research revealed that even at that young age, the infants had characteristic styles of attachment. Secure attachment. This is the healthy, normal mode. Dismissive avoidant. Fearful avoidant. Disorganized or Insecure Attachment, later added by Main and Solomon in 1986. This theory goes that a person's early attachment style influences all their subsequent relationships, whether that's with friends, family, romantic partners, or colleagues. It also influences self-concept, identity, behavior, and, as we saw with Clara, a host of core... Chapter 4. Anxiety, Trauma, Trauma and coping part one cognitive diffusion exercises. We've spent time exploring who we are, what we're made of, and how we got to be made that way. But even once we've gained great self awareness and are conscious of how we work at every level, does that mean we never experience any discomfort, stress, or adversity in life? Of course, not in this final chapter we're looking at ways to use self-therapy not simply to deepen our self-knowledge, but also to tackle more singular problems that emerge in everyday life. No matter how well-adjusted we are, we will all encounter stress, disappointment, loss, or even trauma. Genuine resilience comes from knowing how to manage and cope. In CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, the focus is on becoming aware of and changing negative or unhelpful beliefs, as we saw in the first chapter. But sometimes this can be extremely difficult to do. If you're stuck in the middle of a crisis or dealing with someone who is extremely challenging, you're not likely to have the presence of mind to sit down with a journal and rationally pick through your thoughts. But what we can do at crisis points like this is use a technique from ACT, or Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. It's a process called cognitive diffusion, and it's essentially a way to let go of internal resistance or struggle. With CBT, we might actively engage a faulty or distorted belief and work with it. With cognitive diffusion, we don't engage with it at all. We simply find ways to accept, release, and let go of the struggle that tells us this is a problem. I hate this. It has to stop. Cognitive diffusion, which was first called cognitive distancing by Dr. Aaron Beck, the founder of cognitive therapy, is a way that we can choose how to relate to our thoughts and feelings in different situations. The key insight of cognitive diffusion is that we can have emotions and thoughts without necessarily reacting to them. To understand how it all works let's consider what Beck understood as cognitive fusion, i.e. being fused with your emotional and experiential perception. In this state of mind, your thoughts and your direct experiences get so mixed up that you can't tell them apart. A big part of what makes us human is our constant appraisal, interpretation, and reaction to reality around it, filtered through our unique perspectives. We take our experiences and put them into groups, break them down, judge them, compare them to others, and formulate expectations and conclusions. All of these mental processes, however, contribute to fusion, the state of being completely identified and bonded with our experiences. This is what the mind does naturally, and it's a good way to solve most problems. In fact, Our cognitive abilities can sometimes lead to the desirable and satisfying state of flow in which there's no difference between the self and an interesting, challenging task. Our collective achievements in science, technology, and the arts are based on this form of thinking. But often, these labels and judgments are negative and global, like, I'm worthless, I'm a failure, he's selfish, or they're mean. This has been how to therapize and heal yourself. 15 self-therapy techniques to understand your past and control your future. Written by Nick Trenton. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2022 by Nick Trenton. Production copyright by Nick Trenton. How to Therapize and Heal Yourself 15 Self-Therapy Techniques to Understand Your Past and Control Your Future Written by Nick Trenton Narrated by Russell Newton Chapter 1 Understanding Thoughts, Beliefs, and Behaviors Have you ever found yourself behaving in a certain way but not really knowing why? Do you have a tendency to lash out emotionally or say and do things that you later regret? Have you ever asked yourself how you feel or what you want only to hear the answer, I don't know? If so, then this book is for you. In the chapters that follow, we'll explore the root causes of all those behaviors in life that sabotage our happiness and undermine our well-being. Whether it's poor communication in relationships, addictions, unmanaged anxiety and depression, or simply a constant feeling that you're not living to your fullest potential, there's usually one predictable root cause behind it all, lack of awareness. Traditionally, A psychologist or psychotherapist could help you more deeply understand who you are, what you want, and how you tick. But if that's not a possibility for you, rest assured that you can master the very same techniques for yourself and become your own therapist. Throughout this book, we'll look at the lives of fictional people who are all experiencing very different life challenges, yet in their own way, each of them has just one problem a lack of awareness of their emotions, core beliefs, blind spots, and expectations. As you read, you'll be invited to look more closely at your own emotions, thoughts, and beliefs, and how they are motivating certain behaviors and habits. Being your own therapist doesn't take any magical skill or superhuman ability. All it takes is the willingness to be honest, to ask questions, and to courageously take action according to the insights that you glean. Let's jump in. Part 1. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Meet Clara. Going about her life one day, she encounters two particular situations. Situation one is that she receives an email from a work colleague asking her a question about a presentation she gave two weeks earlier. She reads the email understands the question and answers it factually. Situation two is that Clara gets home from work and sees that her husband hasn't arrived home yet. She immediately thinks he's been in a car crash and he's dead. Terrified, she immediately takes action by blowing up his phone with panicky messages, then furiously Googles how to plan a funeral. Later, she feels a little ashamed of how over the top her actions were. What's the difference between these situations? If you enjoyed this episode of Voiceover Work, we'd appreciate a rating or a review on whatever platform you found this episode. We appreciate you listening today. Join us next week for another preview of an upcoming audiobook.